Welcome to our second episode of Unmasking COVID, a podcast that focuses on sharing personal stories during this pandemic. Today, we have two special guests that will bring a unique perspective to the table and discuss with us how COVID-19 has changed their lives for the good and for the worse. Welcome, Adam and James. And would you like to quickly introduce yourselves? Uh, My name is Adam, and I'm a fourth year finishing up uh, uh, the medical sciences program here at Western University. Uh, So I'm James. Uh, I go to high school in Mississauga, and I'm in grade 12, so I'm supposed to be graduating this year. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're super excited to have you on our podcast. So firstly, I'd like to know, what were your initial thoughts and feelings when you heard about the closures? Uh, To be honest, I wasn't extremely surprised. Um, I've had kind of joked about it before because I was following the news and um, I had already kind of talked to teachers about it. We were had discussions in class, especially uh, with my history teacher. We kind of talked about um, current events a lot uh, just during downtime. So it wasn't completely unexpected, but at the same time, it did make me realize that it was a lot more serious than uh, than something that you would joke about in class. Yeah, and it definitely wasn't like a, an on switch, off switch sort of thing. It was a whole process. I remember it started off with like clubs being restricting like large groups of 50 people, and then they brought it down to no club events at all. And then it got to the point like this. So it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely something you could see like a gradual coming down to the lockdown period. So Yeah, it definitely seems like uh, it was something that was not not totally unpredictable for the both of you. And so you were kind of uh, embracing for the impact. But even though like you kind of had an idea of what was coming, were there still some changes that you had to adapt to to the situation? Or what were some changes in your life that came to be because of COVID? So, oh, so I think there are the obvious changes that we had to take like for protective measures, like wearing masks, gloves, uh, making sure you're away from people at least six feet apart. I've been washing my hands a lot more frequently, making sure I'm not like touching my face, things like that. Um, but besides that, there's also been like changes in the way like courses have been running, like exam exam formats and like the way my, my thesis has been handled too. So uh, definitely some things I've had to adapt to and change. So in terms of the kind of high school experience, it's a lot of things that you feel are missing. Um, like distance learning is completely different from how you would normally learn. Um, and at the same time, like there's a lot of things that I was looking forward to that are definitely not happening, like prom and graduation um, that are, you know, they're supposed to be monumental events in, in life and that's not going to happen for my entire year. And uh, so it's a little disappointing um, and getting used to missing those kinds of things that are supposed to be important. Like people are saying that we're probably not going to be able to have that uh, the same kind of freshman year experience that you all had to get got to have. So yeah, it's just a, getting used to the idea that it's not life is not going to have the same experiences that I guess I've been thinking about for however many years. Yeah, and I think like with both of you being seniors, like Adam with your uh, thesis project getting halted and and James obviously grade 12 is, is always considered a really special year with prom and graduation and all that. Uh, I think COVID-19 has definitely hit you guys hard with the kind of changes it uh, has presented. I, I wouldn't say it 
I wouldn't say it halted my thesis, but they, they had to just change it to like an online sort of format. But they, I've definitely, I commend them. They, the professors have done like a really good job of uh, tackling it. And I think it worked out pretty well. But yeah, there's, there's definitely been some changes we've had to adapt to and, and change with these online courses that are a bit different, some good, some bad, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and online courses definitely are like a really, uh, a really new thing for all of us. And especially with thesis and when grade 12, it, you've had to move a lot of your learning online. Uh, so how's that experience been like for the both of you? So for me, um, for a few of my classes, so maybe I'll start off with my digestive physiology class. So instead of doing like in-person lectures, they're now just, they just provided us with PowerPoint slides and basically gave us audio recordings for each slide um, with the material that we're expected to know. The exam for that changed instead of like a essay-based sort of short answer type exam that would normally be three hours long. They gave us one week to work on two um, three-page essays that we had to just type out and submit on OWL. Oh, um, for my fetal physiology class, the profs just completely changed like the second or the last sort of part of the course and they just gave us recordings from previous years and just told us to learn that and they were just going to test us on that. And our exam for that changed into a written essay-based exam that we would do in person. They changed it into like an online three-hour exam where you had to answer basically like five short essays and submit it on OWL in between that three-hour time period. Um, my pharmacology exam, which is, it's Pharm 20, Pharm 2060, it's an online course. Um, it, for the most part, stayed the same in terms of like learning. It's the, you just go through online modules. But the final exam changed from what would be like a three-hour multiple choice pharmacology exam. They changed it into a 24-hour um, multiple choice exam with like more application-based questions. So lots of changes all around. Some, some exams I found like easier with these changes, like my pharmacology exam, they gave us a full day to, to answer some multiple choice questions. They were harder. Like for the most part, they would like present a clinical scenario and then you had to like choose which drugs are um, using your knowledge of every drug, you have to know like which drugs are the best to treat that patient. Um, but for other exams, like my fetal physiology exam, where I had to write that like five short essays in three hours, it, it was pretty stressful, especially when you're not used to like typing mm -hmm. on the spot. Um, I found that like timed writing is easier than like time typing. And I don't know why, maybe we're just not used to it, but yeah. It, there's been positives and negatives with the exams and like the way courses have been handled, but I think, I think for the most part, it's been handled pretty well and fair and fair. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, it looks like universities tend to have their act together a lot better than high schools do. Um, especially for me, like none of my teachers are particularly technologically inclined. And uh, so a lot of, things that you would expect to be having like uh, actual teaching and lectures and things like that, those just are not happening at all. I'm, I'm not sure if my teachers could record a lecture even if they wanted to. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a mixture of they're doing what they can and they can't do much. Um, for example, uh, 
my math teacher, she just sends, she posts these little recordings of her going through problems and it's not any more, it's, it's kind of like a Khan Academy style. It's not particularly special in any way. Um, and I haven't gotten any sort of actual teaching from any of my other teachers. It's mostly just, here's a thing that you should be doing. Um, I'm going to post on Google Classroom this little description of an assignment. Can you have it in at some point in the next little while? My English teacher doesn't even post due dates anymore. Um, so it, it's just really interesting. Everything is very, uh, it's not very definitive um, in terms of what we're supposed to be learning, how we're supposed to be learning it, what the due dates are, what's important, what's not. We're supposed to read a book, but like we don't have access to libraries. How are we supposed to get the book? Or does she expect us to just illegally download the book and use it? Like, I really don't know what's uh -huh. happening in a lot of my classes and how they're expecting us to learn. Uh, one good thing, at least, is that the Peel District School Board has a policy that our marks can't go down during distance learning. So I'm basically guaranteed to... Oh have pretty good marks as long as you make a good faith effort to complete all of your assignments. So are, are like all your marks like um, assignment based? Yeah. Like you don't have any exams or anything? Tests? Well, the exams, it, the reason is that like you guys, you have like your, like OWL, I think you said, like you have these, um, yeah. these places oh, where you can write exams, but we don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> the 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 high school board like they That's they don't true. invest in online exams like it, it's not something that they ever thought they'd have to do um i know my my history teacher had an optional test that she put up she was like yeah this is optional don't do it if you don't want to um, but it was just a google form so it's uh we really lack the infrastructure to do distance learning properly yeah and i think that's something that uh that school boards can definitely look into because the pandemic is probably not going to be the last one during our lifetime. So it would be interesting for this or a good idea for the school board to invest more on distance learning and having those platforms available. Cause like comparing what Adam said and what you said, like universities do definitely seem to be a lot more equipped in handling the situation. Okay. Would you say it's like a lot more self-directed like you're learning? Yeah. It, it's very self-directed like I've been waking up in the afternoon every day um like there there's no schedule I don't know what day of the week it is like um everything is just up to us to hold ourselves together and I'm not sure to be honest I think I think that's pretty helpful especially if you're considering like going to university having that like kickstart uh, kickstart to your self-directed learning because I think that was a big transition for me when I was going to university um in my high school my teachers always kind of food sped uh, spoon fed me all the material taught me everything I needed to know and if I just listened to my teachers I would do well but university is a lot different university you have to really um, make sure you know the material on your own and find ways that work for you in terms of your studying and in terms of your learning so maybe getting that kick like that head start and through this COVID pandemic situation might actually help you out in the long run yeah I mean it, it definitely could um I think that it's like the whole university experience next year is going to be a balance between we all have our own experience now with uh, independent learning, but at the same time, we're like basically missing uh, all of second semester in terms of having solid content knowledge. So we're going to be really behind on that level. Um, like, for example, right. Um, 
the way that they teach calculus and vectors at my school, they do all the vector stuff after midterms. So I'm basically like anyone coming out of my school, uh, going into university next year, is just not going to have the same linear algebra foundations that someone else, that someone from your year or from basically any other year would. Uh, so we might have that advantage there, but I think we're disadvantaged at the fact that we're missing out on a on having a solid understanding of the kind of knowledge that we need to the content mm. to uh, to well, pass first year university to really um, confirm your knowledge, like no time to condition test sort of thing. Especially for like math courses. Yeah, especially considering that like. I know a lot of people, like, if even if we do have a test, like, come on, everyone's going to be cheating in some way or another. There's no way that they can prevent that. And I think that the teachers That's... kind of acknowledge it as well, like, implicitly. Like, they know what's happening, and there's nothing they can do to stop it, so they don't, like, make we've, a big deal of yeah, it. Yeah, we've had that, too. Like, um, for our university professors, they, they made us, like, sign honor pledges before we open final exam online that, like, kind of a way to, to honor the pledge of not cheating and not working with other people. But... There's really no way they can control that, and I'm sure like people have cheated during during our exams. I guess that's why, for the most part, they changed some of our exams to like essays where they gave us like a week to write it, because um, those would take more work, like more. You have to like look up articles to cite and things like that. But in terms of those like multiple choice exams, like I said, my pharmacology one, like I no doubt people cheated on that. Like there's no way you can control that. Yeah. Yeah, like um, I had my calculus like kind of midterm quote exam. It would have been a like a a test in class, but um, it became a twenty question online thing. But the way that they did it, they like said they made like ten different versions of the test and gave everyone a different one and randomized the order of the questions. And you weren't allowed to go back once you had answered a question to try and prevent mm -hmm. cheating and all that. But like at the same time, I know virtually everybody was using calculators that they would not have been allowed to use in class and stuff like that um just because you have access to that like even if the program might be able to check if you like change tabs or something it's not going to be able to detect if you pick up a ti-84 um so it's i i if they make us do like a checkbox at the beginning that's like oh i promise i will not cheat but Come on, we're in high school. Like, you think high schoolers care about ticking a box that says they're not going to cheat? And I think in high school, also the consequences of uh, cheating are much less than what you would have at university or college or any kind of post-secondary exactly. education as well. For us, they, they would explicitly say, like, if you're caught cheating, if, if in any way you were caught cheating, they, they would assign you a zero. And then that could destroy your university career mm -hmm. or future career pretty much permanently. You will always have that like stain on your grade, yeah. on your on your transcript. Yeah, the consequences for for cheating in high school are already so minimal. Like there are so many stories I hear of like people literally cheating on in front of teachers. Like they pull out their phone in the middle of a test, and the teacher just like, "Hey, please put away your phone," and then they go back to doing whatever teachers do whilst the class is writing a test. So um, there is a lot of, I think, differences just between the way that high school treats academic integrity and university. Um, and that's definitely bleeding through in how, uh, how online examinations and online assessments are taking yeah, place. Yeah, definitely. So we can see a lot of changes have occurred in online learning and overall the situation has completely changed. So given this, what do you think has helped you really cope and adapt to this situation? So I guess I'll 
to start off. I think what really helped me the most sort of cope with it is just having some sort of structure to, to my day and creating a sort of routine for myself. So I always try to like wake up and go to sleep at specific times. I set hours during my day to eat, um, set hours for productive work, for like physical activity and exercise, and then just like some hours at the end of the day for just relaxation and social time with friends. Um, so just make, maintaining that structure that we normally wouldn't have with um, in-person classes and in-person uh, work and other volunteering roles we might have, just that really helped me sort of stay on track with my school. Um, something that also kind of helped me out was, um, and I think we should be doing more of, is just reaching out to some old friends that you haven't talked to in a while. I actually reached out to some friends that I haven't spoken to since high school, just to see how they were doing. And we caught up a little bit. And, and I think it was really good just to maintain that, that connection with other people during this time of like continuous separation. and. Uh, that's important for mental health and uh, maintaining our wellness overall. Um, I guess something I always also do is I've been exercising a lot more with this extra free time. I, I try to go out for jogs every day and do some body weight exercises like push-ups, crunches. Um, and yeah, that's that's good for like immunity in this sort of COVID situation, maintaining your physical health, make, make sure, making sure you're eating well but it's also been uh, helping me out just staying sane. And uh, every time I exercise, I always feel a lot better during the day. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I agree on most of those points. Like those, I, I still need to figure out a, a schedule that I can put myself to and commit to. But um, yeah, talking to, catching up with old friends. Um, yeah, I've tried catching up to some people that I haven't spoken to since elementary school. And that was interesting to say the least, um, but it's uh yeah that um i've put a lot of time into sort of hobbies and things that i didn't think i would have the time for that i had kind of given up on um interests that like i hadn't touched in a while um to try and kind of have some sense of doing things that i would be doing if i had this much free time um yeah uh exercise i mean i, I was never really one to exercise before so even some exercise is more than no exercise. Uh, yeah. Yeah, going back to like trying new things, I, I think that's a really important thing and really great thing that you're doing because um, if you think about it, this is, this is a time of challenge and like restrictions are being put on us. But if you sort of change your mindset into more of a growth mindset and think about ways that you could sort of benefit from this opportunity and ways you can sort of grow from it, uh, I think that's a really great way to just incite some change in your life. Like me, I've been doing a lot more more cooking than I would have, and I'm sort of experimenting with some new foods and trying other sort of like physical exercises that I haven't done before just because I, I can and I have the time. And just I think it's a great way to find ways to improve yourself. I don't think we all have to look at it as something. So yeah, negative yeah that's, that's definitely true. Um finding all these different things that you can try doing because like I feel like now is the best time to like pick up a hobby because even if you don't continue it later like at least now exactly. you know oh hey maybe I like this thing or maybe I don't and there's no consequences right now to spend wasting a bunch of time on something that you might not end up doing yeah those are really definitely really good tips and uh, I think I think I felt the same thing for me as well uh, especially like changing your mindset, like Adam said, I think is really important. And like being able to look at 
this as an opportunity is a real skill. Yeah, so during this pandemic, a lot of different challenges have been thrown at us. But what have you learned from this situation? As in, what are some life lessons you'd like to carry forward after this pandemic? I think something really important, like I've spent a lot of time pouring myself into trying to understand the research as it comes out, reading preprints and stuff like that. Um, but something that's just really kind of been hammered home as a point in the uh, in the past few days and weeks is that like how important it is to be aware of what's happening in the world and having to do your own research and look at what kind of biases exist in sources of news and sources of, like media um, and being able to kind of weed through all those different opinions to, to make your own worldview on like your own personal idea of what's happening and not just kind of adopting what some pundit says or another um, and forming your own beliefs and having your own values instead of just like going on Twitter and being like, oh boy, what's happening now? The world is ending. Yeah, and especially like now there's a lot of like misinformation out there with the media. Even I've read stories about like well-known celebrity doctors sort of um, saying false information about COVID and just saying ridiculous things. I, I can't remember one doctor suggested I don't remember what he, some like ridiculous treatment <laughs> for, for, uh, there's been all sorts of crazy yeah. ridiculous stuff. It's yeah. It's really just made you realize how important it is to like be kind of scientifically literate and, uh, have that understanding of the world. Yeah. And I think even beyond the, the crazy news, the crazy treatments, I think what really uh, surprised me during this pandemic was how even reliable organizations like the World Health Organization, the information they get is rapidly changing. And the, like our understanding of the situation has also been, it hasn't been the same every day. And I think just coping with that and like what what James said, like being able to critically look at that information regardless of what the source is, uh, is definitely something important for the pandemic. Yeah, and uh, going back to something uh, both of you had mentioned was that you mentioned that like having a growth mindset is important and that this pandemic could in, in fact be an opportunity to uh, acquire some hobbies or learn something new. So. With regards to that, uh, do you guys have any unique experiences or stories that you've experienced that you would like to share? Uh, I, I could share like a kind of more personal point on um, on the, the misinformation stuff. Um, so I, I guess I guess everyone knows by mm -hmm. this point that uh, that uh, in the U.S. there have been politicians peddling hydroxychloroquine as a possible coronavirus treatment. Um, hydroxychloroquine is a drug that's used right now for um, for lupus patients, and it, it's really important as part of their treatment to make sure that they um, they don't have serious uh, kind of problems with their with their disease. And um, I have family members who like have lupus; they are prescribed hydroxychloroquine. And the fact that you can open the news and see like, oh, worldwide hydroxychloroquine shortage because companies are buying it, or countries are buying it up, and other countries are refusing to trade it because they think it's a magic drug that will cure coronavirus with no proof whatsoever. Um, it makes me really worry about like the, the state of the world and how um, you can have these really important drugs for some people, and then some politician can just say some complete nonsense with no scientific evidence, and that will cause a shortage that it can probably, it's probably going to cause a lot of suffering in terms of 
patients that aren't going to be able to get the drugs that they need because someone else has bought it up and stockpiled it, thinking that it's a magic corona. Yeah, you know, it, I feel like this time, as much as ever, you can really see like the sort of conflict between science and politics. On the one hand, you have these politicians push, pushing this drug because it sort of ha- helps them in their in their own interests, and then you've got the science that doesn't really back it up. So it really speaks to the importance of having sort of strong peer reviewed scientific studies that will help us learn more about the world rather than just taking the word of mouth of someone who might say something just because it's in their own interest. And the consequences of it like is definitely huge because the people stuck behind this are actual people and their and their lives are definitely being affected as we speak and as James mentioned um not not just with this treatment but every piece of inf- misinformation out there does affect someone in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I guess before we conclude, we have a new and exciting segment called COVID-19 True or False, and it's gonna be a game show-like activity. So I'll, well, uh, Victoria will read out a couple of statements and you'll have to tell me whether or not you think the statement is true or false. All right. So first statement, the loss of smell can be a possible symptom of the novel coronavirus. True. I'm going to say false. Just That is correct. Never mind. Sorry. It's true, right? It's, yeah, it's yeah. True. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, thought, I thought I read about that. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. And I thought I read somewhere that, um, oh, I don't want to say this, but because I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I thought I read that those who have like the loss of smell and taste is like their early symptoms actually have like more likely to have better outcomes. Yeah, yeah, I saw something. Yeah, I think I saw that headline too, but I didn't look into it. So yeah, but it sounds vaguely familiar. But as we talked about today, whatever you hear, even whatever you hear in this podcast, Dude, look at it with a science. Verify it all yourself. Do your research. Make sure you read the article. Don't just read the headline like I did. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So second statement. A net 15.8 million subscribers signed up for Netflix. More than double the 7 million the company had told investors to expect prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Wait, over what period of time? So can you repeat the whole thing? Oh, I didn't yeah. really so a net 15.8 million new subscribers signed up for Netflix, which is more than double the 7 million the company had told investors to expect prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. And I guess the time frame for that would be approximately when we all started going into quarantine about mid-March. Honestly, that sounds a little bit high, but I also uh, know yeah. that Nintendo Switch sales were more during the weekend that Animal Crossing released than the weekend that the Switch was released. So I'm going to say true. I'm going to go with false just to see. (laughs) I feel like double. So it does seem a bit high, double. However, this statement is true. So it seems like a lot of people are signing up for Netflix just as something to do during this pandemic. I'm honestly kind of surprised because there's so many other streaming services now. <laughs> like, yeah, 
Like, I don't want to pay for Netflix and eight other things. That is a good point. However, I guess this is something, or at least a new subscription that a lot of people have found use of during this time. All right. So the third statement, COVID-19 belongs to the same family as SARS and MERS. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Yes, so, yeah, that true. is correct. Yeah. The statement is true. COVID-19 is like a branching off virus from those two parental ones, I guess. All right, and the final statement is COVID-19 can live on surfaces for up to 24 hours. Isn't it longer? I, I saw something somewhere. It might have been a preprint, so maybe it's not super accurate. But it was like that it lived on cardboard for like multiple days. Yeah, I haven't I haven't read too much about it. I, I remember it, they update this all the time, so I'm not too sure what the re- most recent research has shown, but I'm going to go with... It's at least a day, so... Yeah, I guess does true encompass at least today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's go okay. with true that. Well, in the way you said it, yeah, it's true. Um, COVID nineteen can live on surfaces for twenty four hours and a lot more. It just really depends on which surface we're talking about. So do your research and be careful with what you're coming into contact with. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Unmasking COVID. And a big thanks to Adam and James for being guests on this episode. Hope to see you next week.